Hello and welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley. I'm here with um, my cohort in crime, Don Winsberger. If you missed us last week, that was because we weren't on last week. We had uh, a lot of things going on in the week. We had uh, uh, the opportunity, uh, my cohort here had an opportunity to share with the family the hope and comfort of, of a loved one who had gone into heaven and called home. I had the opportunity to uh, to bring in a, a new wonderful marriage and, and to help uh, um, be there for them as they, they said their vows before the Lord and for before the witnesses. Uh, and of course, in that particular marriage, um, the, the groom wanted me to remind him that, that uh, his new bride cannot kill him. So you know that that's going to start off well. And so we, uh, we do wish them well in their, their new married life. But now we're back, and uh, and we hopefully have some some good stuff for you coming up in the hopper and and here for today. Before we jump on in, please uh, know that what we say here is our ramblings. They're just our thoughts. Uh, they don't necessarily um, coincide with the views and opinions that are shared by uh, our called church bodies, as well as the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, which is the synod upon which we are a part. So if you don't agree with what we say, or you don't agree with what we're talking about, um, you are an adult, you are, are free in Christ to uh, shut us off and go listen to something else. But if you'd like to have a conversation with us, we'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you. So unless you have something else to add, Don, uh, we can get some intro music into our next uh, uh, section and, and start talking about our topic. What do you have? I was just thinking here, I wanted to share with you that I'm changing my middle name to Trump, and I'm Donald Trump Winsberger officially. And uh, now I'm going to be running for Wells president under the theme of Make Wells Great Again. I'm getting the hats out. You can check out our website here in the next couple of weeks. Got any questions, call and ask Pastor Harley. Oh, Lord. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe it's make wells deep again, right? <laughs> Let's jump on in to our time together in our lesson. All right, so now I just had, I was just thinking you you wanted the signs that say you know uh, make wells great again um, and, uh, and and that you changed your name to Trump. It just made me think about uh, uh, earlier today um, one of my other brothers here in the ministry in, in the circuit which I'm a part uh, gave me a call and and it stopped by and told me that I needed to look up something on YouTube and it was uh, it was Vader or Darth Trump um, where where. They put uh, President Trump as Darth Vader, and uh, they they moved it into all the clips of the early Star Wars movies. And it just reminded me on the Death Star as it was floating by in the first original scenes of of Star Wars. It had right above it. It said, uh, "Make the galaxy great again, Trump 2020." <laughs> and let, so, let me, let me reiterate, and I cannot emphasize this enough. I am very, very grateful to President Schrader and his service to us as a synod. Um, you, if you, if you guys have been listening to us for for how long, I am irreverent but very appreciative of our synodical leaders. <laughs> and it's just all in good fun. It really is just all in good fun. Well, today, uh, you know, today we we kind of culminate our our discussion on. Um, brotherly love and, and loving our neighbor um, with a discussion on on probably the, the hardest thing to do uh, in a church, and that is to deal with delinquents. Um, and that's, I at least to me, that's been my perception. One of the hardest things for the church to deal with is, is delinquency. Um, national average tells us that, oh, go on, yeah. Is it the hardest or the least favorite? Probably the least favorite. The, we'll say the least favorite, right? Um, uh, church, well, national average says that that um, 48%, and that might be a little bit high, 48% uh, 
um, of people who say they're a member of a church actually attend, which means that you have, you know, 52% that are either Christers, um, that, and, and I'm sorry if you take offense to that, that's a, a person who shows up every Christmas and Easter, um, or they are, are people who don't show up to the church at all, but yet still consider themselves to be a member of the church. And so uh, 52%, um, and that would probably be a very conservative number, um, are, are people who don't show up to the church. And what do we do with them? Um, how, do we, how do we confront them? How do we talk with them? And maybe confront is a, a little bit of a bad term to use. Um, what do we do? What do we do? Um, with these people, and should we do anything with these people? Um, and, and that's sort of what the conversation is for today. Um, at least that's what my thought was, that we would we'd sort of look into that. Um, I would say that uh, a good place for us to start looking at this um, and maybe start having a conversation is in the very words um, of our lessons for this week, right, um, with Romans uh, chapter 12, uh, we had verses 1 through 8, which will be part of our, our readings for this Sunday, for those of you who will be in church um, and listening. And, and maybe that's a really good place for us to start this conversation because it talks uh, a lot, Paul talks a lot about our reaction to the gifts that God has given, our reaction to what it is that, that God has done for us. Um, so to start that off, I'll just read a first couple of, the, of those verses there from Romans and then... Uh, Don, if you want, I'll let you jump in and give some commentary on it. How about that? Oh, that's dangerous, but go ahead. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, from Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by, uh, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your appropriate worship. Also, do not continue to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that you test and approve what is the will of God, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. So by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think in a way that results in sound judgment, as God distributed a measure of faith to each of you. For we have many members in one body, and not all the members have the same function. And in the same way, though we are many, we are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. We have different gifts, according to the grace God has given us. If the gift is prophecy, do it in complete agreement with the faith. If it is serving, then serve. If teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then encourage. If it is contributing, be generous. If it is leadership, be diligent. If it is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. What do you have for us, Don? Maybe as I start out my first commentary, and as we have, we have dis, in our discussion, we're looking at uh, focusing this in on dealing with straying members. Looking at uh, Psalm 23, because you often get into, into this discussion, straying sheep and so forth. Jesus, I am the good shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and so forth. That, that beautiful picture there. And I love how you have so succinctly and distinctly said this uh, to people you have served in the past. Um when they go, well, pastor, you need to go out and get these, get this person or these people back. It's your job. And I, I, I like the, the, the fact that you say, I am the under shepherd. I am not the good shepherd. Um, uh, the good shepherd, you know, because people will say, well, that good shepherd, he drops everything. The good shepherd, he drops everything he's doing and goes after the sheep. That's right. The good shepherd is Jesus. Uh, we are the under shepherds. That doesn't, that doesn't absolve us from any type of, of responsibility, any type of caring, um, and, and, and even reaching out. But, it, but the pastor, we, we are all the under shepherds. Not only pastors, but even even our members. Says yes, we're all we're sheep too, 
but this is our job together. It's not, you know, and sometimes when we look at, yeah, the pastor, the pastor, yes, we're like the hired hand, but that doesn't absolve the rest of the congregation from any type of responsibility in reaching out to the sheep either. We are in this together. And that is something, that's why that that's what I think about Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, pulls that pulls that picture in John chapter 10 and Psalm 23 together so so beautifully. We're in this together. The body, the parts, uh, you know, this is one of the things I'm gonna say on Sunday. What good does it do to have a body, have have a body with no with, with, with no feet but two hearts? What good does it do to have a body with uh, with uh, no eyes and four legs? Um, and but this is often how we approach our our our, our ministry, which is the body of Christ. Well, and how many of our how many people want to be the appendix? Yes, <laughs> and and really don't know what meaning they have for the body, right? <laughs> um, but yep. they're a part of it. And uh, um, you know, you know, we're at risk of rehashing things that we've said in 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 previous casts. This we 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 make this our people, and even sometimes we as pastors. This is my firm belief. We make this more difficult than it needs to be. And I agree with you. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that statement. That 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 we do make it more difficult because we we say that there's a, a certain set of words you have to say, right? There's a certain thing you ha- you got to be able to answer every question that they possibly would have against you. Or um, every every piece of anger they may have had built up from uh, from the congregation because someone had said something at some point, or some pastor had said something at some point, or they perceived something at some point that you have to. When you go to see them, you're going to have to all of a sudden defend yourself, right? Um, and and I think in many ways we fail we fail to see the lesson of Philip and Nathaniel, right? Um, you know. Uh, where, 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 where Philip comes and he, he, he says, I found the Christ. And, and so Nathan, he says, um, who is he? And he says, it's Jesus Christ uh, of Nazareth. And he says, uh, uh, what good comes out of Nazareth? And, you know, our tendency is, well, now I have to defend, right? Now I have to explain what good can come out. And, and he didn't, he just said, come and see, you know, let him do the, let God do the explaining, let, let Jesus do the explaining, let Jesus do what needs to be done. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree with you that that sometimes we make this a lot more difficult than it needs to be. On the flip side, go on. <clears throat> and let's throw this into the mix, too. I've been talking with a brother in the called ministry here about this a lot in the past couple of weeks. Some of the difficulty and some of the uh, reason why, and, and one, well, one of the ways we make this really way too hard as we are, <coughs> excuse me, we accept where we take on responsibility that we have no business taking on. And what I mean by this, <clears throat> you know, as we're working ourselves up, looking at how things are going to be. And again, no one looks forward to this job. Nobody looks forward to opposition, but we look, we get afraid of the opposition because we feel that it's directed at us. Um, also, when it comes to, um, again, and I think about this when you said about, you know, it, it, it come and see. Um, these, our, our people are talking to, the, to our, our straying sheep. I'm sorry, but this is really bad. At least on an average, at a very least average, one time a week. They see them in the, they see them in the cafe. They see them down at the local establishment. Um, they eat meals with them um, and, and talk about everything else but because they're afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. Um, you know something? This, this, this fear of saying the wrong thing, um, when you approach a person in love, 
uh, I come back to this. I just shared this with the brother the other day. Love covers over a multitude of sin. And when we come and when we come with an attitude, they're with an attitude of love. If somebody doesn't, if, if somebody takes that and twists it and throws it, that's not that's not our problem. It's being directed against God. Um, and so op- Jesus tells us that opposition, that co- any, any type of opposition that might come as we're sharing Christ, Jesus says, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's not me. And in some ways, I have to look at this, and I talk to us, uh, uh, fellow pastors, let's be, so, let's be careful from getting so arrogant in thinking that this is all about me. Well, and, and doesn't, doesn't, I mean, that's exactly what Paul says. He says, you know, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Um, you know, don't get so caught up that, that, and that can be caught up in both ways, right? Be caught up in the sense of, I am too good to have to go out and do this. Or if I do go out and do this and they, they, they have, they don't like what I have to say, it's against me. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a casting yep. out on my, on my character. I also want to, I maybe want to bring up just a little bit about sort of what you're talking about, because it sort of, I think, fits in a little bit with, with my own thoughts. You know, the, the Lord calls this attitude of living within the body a living act of sacrifice, a living sacrifice, right? That, that we're living it out in the body. Um, and, and I was reading a commentary, and the commentary is by a, a very revered monk who uh, uh, many, many, over 500 years ago wrote many things um, that were wonderful, um, uh, to help people understand better the scriptures. You all know him. Our church is named after him. Um, and so if you want more clarification on who this monk is, by all means, we'll talk to you about it. But he wrote a, a commentary, a sermon commentary on the book of Romans. And, and one of the areas that he, as he was writing on, on the book of Romans, and I was just reading it in this section, he was saying how, how you know, this, this act of living within the body is, is not things that we do so that we can gain credit for it. That we, that we can say, these are the good works that God now will look on me and say, this is wonderful and good that you did. But these acts of service, this living act of service of living within the body, is a, is a response, a corollary, a connection to what Christ has done first for us. And that, and that this now is the result, right? The, the, the things that have to be, when Christ has worked, these are, these are what come. And, and one of those things that we, we fail to realize is that being in this body, the act of sacrifice is taking the time to maybe become friends with these people so that they know that we love them. Um, you know, it's very easy. Sometimes you see these delinquents, and the first thing you'd see when you see a delinquent is they have to come back to church. And so we approach them with this automatic, <clears throat> like, um, just this automatic zeal, right, to say, you have to be in church. Or we approach them, we see that that this delinquent is in a live-in relationship with with uh, um, a lady or a guy, um, depending on what what uh, sex they are. And the first thing we say is, "Oh, we got to tell them they need to get married, and we need to go tell." Wait a second, they're delinquent. They're, they haven't been coming to church. Maybe the first thing we should do is is show them that we actually care as a church. We actually care as a body of believers that they have been neglecting the life-giving message of Christ and share with them that first and then let Christ start to work out all the rest of the stuff. Let the Holy Spirit work out the rest of the stuff that is involving his life as we walk forward. And and I think there's a living sacrifice in that. I I honestly do. I I think there is, um, you're giving of yourself not only in patience and time, um, but you're you're giving of yourself in in desiring to do what is best for that other person, not what you feel more comfortable doing, right? Yes. And you know, and and really, we're touching on not touching on. This is just uh, um, one of the many jewels in the crown of Lutheranism um, is the doctrine of the universal priesthood. Meaning, uh, you know, bringing in, bringing in from Peter's epistle, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, um, that you might declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Um, the fact that, you know, for, 
for years, for centuries, the the church, uh, the church floundered in the mire, and, and, and at the behest of the clergy, that the clergy was the only one were the only ones that did church work. The clergy were the only ones that, that determined what ministry was and how it how it got carried out. And then at the time of the Reformation, that beautiful truth of the universal priesthood was brought back out, where there's no there, there really is no such thing as a New Testament priest slash clergy. Every believer is a priest. Not taking anything away from that we don't have called clergy, that we don't have pastors, representatives in the public ministry. But this thing is every believer is an integral part of the church and the ministry, and we are in this together. Yeah. Um, so, sometimes I, I, I think that, too, it's so easy for pastors, too, and congregation members to fall into this old Catholic thinking again that the pastor does everything. And they stop working as a team and they stop working yeah. as a, as a, as a body. And they start saying that only one portion of the body um, is, is able to do this. As you were talking, um, I, I couldn't stop thinking about uh, Bo Gerhardt's uh, hammer of God. <laughs> I just, for, for, for whatever reason, especially the, you know, the one tale um, that he weaves in that where where this new fledgling pastor, right, uh, just fresh out of seminary, he goes to visit a guy who's dying. He's on his deathbed, and he walks in, and um, the guy just continually says, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. God will never love me. God will never love me. God will never love me, and I, I don't think I'm going to go to heaven, and I don't deserve any of this, and, and I know I'm a sinner, and I know God God paid for sin. I know Jesus died died for me and paid for sins, but I know that I'm a horrible sinner, and God never loves me, and and the, this this new fledgling pastor had just couldn't couldn't combat it, and he he had nothing to, that he could say to comfort this guy. And, he, and and in his frustration, he walks out right. He walks out of the 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 the, the hovel, the hut, whatever, and he's in the street. And a family member comes down the street, a woman, and she asks on how her family member is, and and he says, well, he's depressed and he's sorrowful and he. He, he doesn't want to listen to all of the textbook, right? He doesn't want to listen to the textbook answers um, and, and, and know that he is forgiven. And, and, and so the woman's like, well, come with me. And she walks in and she sits down at the bed and she starts talking to this guy. And he says, I'm such a sinner. I'm such a sinner. And she says, shut up. And he says, what? And he says, did Jesus Christ die for you? Yes, Jesus Christ died for me. Do you think he's not enough? Well, of course he's enough. Then why do you keep saying he isn't? And he's like, well, I don't know. And, he, and, and she says, do you think that heaven is not yours because Christ did not pay enough for you? And, and he says, well, yes, he did pay enough for me, and, and, and heaven can be mine, but I'm such a horrible sinner. Not to God, you're not. Christ died for you. And she goes through this whole entire thing, and finally she turns and she says, now, would you like to receive the body and blood of your Lord and be assured of your forgiveness? And he says, yes. And she turns back to the pastor, this new guy who is just sitting there and listening to her share this wonderful message of Christ. And she says, pastor, will you do us the greatest honor and share with us the body and blood of Christ? And he opens up his travel communion and he, he gives them communion and he leaves. And the pastor leaves ashamed because what she did by asserting the truth of Christ, he could have done and he didn't. And it just reminded me what you're saying is, is it just reminded me of that. You know, pastors are trained. We're trained. We're trained to equip people for service. We're not trained to do the service for you. We're not trained to do the outreach for you. Yes, do we have some answers? Sure we do. Are we prepared to, to share scripture? Yes, we are. But when it comes outside of the church, I can only talk to one person at a time, just like you. I can. I can only interact with one person at a time. And sometimes the people that I need to interact with, I need to build that, that relationship with before they'll even listen to me. Because they look at me and the first thing they think is, that's your job. And you really don't care. You're just in it for your money. And so I have to build that relationship with them before they'll even hear me out when I try to share Christ with them. But dear listener, you're a different story. You've been in that church 
with them forever. You grew up with them. You knew them when they were coming on a regular basis. You saw them when they were confirmed. You, you may have been there and witnessed when their children were baptized, and then they have fallen away, right? And when you go and reach out to them, they know you, and, and they know that you are just like them. And if you call and you say, I miss you, you know, be reassured of the, of the gift of Jesus Christ. Here he is for you. Come and hear. Come and see. They're going to listen a lot more than when they're going to listen to me. I, I mean, Amen. that's just what I'm thinking. Yep. Amen. This is, uh, you know, we had a discussion months ago, many months ago, uh, and probably one on one of these podcasts, too, as we talked about um, the culture of Christianity. And how we have, how we in America have, where we're really, how much is Christianity a part of my personal culture, my personal way of life? Um, you know, hey, it works great inside the buildings of the, the, the walls of the sanctuary. What's it like outside? Um, and, uh, and that, and that has, that 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 speaks volumes to this as well. Absolutely. And and you have that and you make that logical inconsistency, right? Inside your own head that that we've said to ourselves we've said to ourselves church and faith is my personal thing. That that's what we've convinced ourselves of. It's it's my personal thing. It's not <clears throat> it's nothing that that really affects the world outside of me, right? It's, it's, it's nothing that affects other people. It's, it's for me personally. And that's not what Paul is saying here at all, that, 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 that really you're calling your faith, the justification, the declaration of God declaring you not guilty is really, really has bodily, physical fruit that it bears, a, a living sacrifice that it produces, Right. Um, that 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 because of what he has done for you in your spirit and and what he has given you life and freedom in him, it translates into I get to I get to interact with everybody else. And that is uh, and that is and that's what Paul. I mean, it, it, that's where it all starts. And actually, that's what weaves its way through all all the way through. Uh, I urge you. I, I urge you, and 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 that uh, if, you know, I exhort you. I encourage you, brothers. By the mercies of God, um, NIV translated it this way: "In view of God's mercies." For me, that's just something that resounds better in my head. Sure. A bit, but it, because again, it, it's basically saying everything that follows comes because of this. In view of God's mercies, in view of what He's done, and you know what? And actually, isn't it Luther who calls the Book of Romans the diamond? Of Holy Scripture, oh, absolutely, and and it's called and he calls it the diamond of Holy Scripture because it, he says it in these words too. No other book of Holy Scripture uh, describes and 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 puts forth the doctrine of justification by faith alone in Christ Jesus more beautifully than than, than, than any other book. Yes, um, and uh, and so. As Paul lays all of that, that 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 all of that stuff out about faith and justification, um, in the first in the first eleven chapters, this is what and this is this, then he comes and says, in view of all of this, because of all of this, this is what follows. Yeah, and and notice how he puts that little tagline in there, right? Holy and pleasing to God. That, that your life already, whether you think it's going to work out perfectly, whether you can think you have the right words, whether, whether you're going to say what's right, or already that life in Christ, in the view of those mercies, is holy and pleasing to God already. Isn't it just before we get to Romans chapter 12 or, or Corinthians chapter 12, um, where the Apostle Paul deals with pretty much the same subject, in in the in the in first corinthians yeah where, it's, it's the last half of of, of chapter 12 of first corinthians did you, you want know, me to read it yes please all right well we'll start um may i will start at 23 because that's the beginning of the sentence uh of chapter 12 first corinthians as for the parts of the body we consider less honorable 
These we provide with more honor. We treat our unpresentable parts with more modesty, whereas our presentable parts have um, no such need. But God put the body together in a way that gave more honor to the parts that lack it. He did it so that there might not be any division in the body, but that the members might all have the same concern for one another. So if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You are the body of Christ, and individually you are members of it. Again, uh, you, you, you know that by the inspiration of the Spirit, Paul had these same things in mind as he does in Romans chapter 12. You know, looking at what comes before 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 12, I find it no, I find it no, uh, by no, it's no coincidence. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul's talking about Holy Communion. Absolutely. Uh, and once again, you have the motivation, you have the motivation that is put forth before all of this encouragement and all of this explanation about ministry, what drives us, what equips us, what fuels us, um, what sustains us, all of this stuff beforehand. And then, then not, how, you know, uh, not, you know, like you said, I, like, I always like the way you say this. We get to do this. It's not you have to. We get to do these things. That is that is gospel freedom. Well, and and follow me on this because because maybe I'm going down a different rabbit hole to get all together. But follow me just on on this just a little bit. Um, you, you you're making connections to to what we get to do in the freedom of the gospel, and you're you're going back to word and sacrament ministry, right? Um, uh, first Corinthians, perfectly good illustration of word and sacrament ministry, uh, Romans, all of that word and sacrament, um, the first, you know, eight chapters, first nine chapters of, of Romans, all word and sacrament ministry. Do you think maybe in our culture, we have screwed up our view of, of life in church? Hear me out. We come to church and we say, I'm going to worship. I'm giving to God something. I'm doing something. God must be happy. I'm going to worship. And isn't God sort of saying, no, no, you, you come to church so that I can serve you, so that I can equip you, so that I can give to you. And then when you leave, you worship. When you leave this place, that's worship. That's living in the freedom. That's, that's your worship. You go out and you live what I have equipped you to do, what I've what I've, I've I have strengthened you to do. Do you think maybe yes. we can maybe we've turned it upside down and we've totally like rearranged our 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 way of thinking and and we are no longer thinking the way God thinks? Oh, uh, you think? <laughs> Well, it just strikes me as odd because, you know, how many times, and, and we all do it, right? We all do it. We say, we, we you know, Sunday is, a, is the day of worship, right? We, just, we say it. But let's be honest. What can we ever give to God? What can we ever bring to him that he doesn't already have? What can we ever do for him that he doesn't already um, um, have the capabilities to do for himself? Um, you know, I, I think back into the time of Lent, right, when, when um, the Hosannas ring and, and, and Jesus is coming into to the city of Jerusalem, and everyone says, quiet them, quiet them. And he says, if I quiet them, even the rocks would cry out. Um, you know, the, the idea that, that God can create for himself worship, uh, if that is what he desired. But what is church? Church is not for God, it's for us. Church is, is, is the place that we come and we are filled up from God's table to, our, to us to share at our own tables and to share with others who need to hear it and, and maybe have fallen away. Um, and I think that's where it really comes back. And this idea that, okay, you know, we preached about worship last week, mm -hmm. awe, and again, the motivation that does that. That does that. Um, but, but, and I think this is, this is how you're saying it. 
we get it, it, it's another way of saying it that in the fact that uh, as, as, as Christians, we look at, OK, worship is in church and it ends when we it, it ends the minute we sing the amen after the last hymn. Um, and we forget so easily the words of, again, the words of, of the Apostle Paul, the words of Jesus. Um, what, uh, whether, you, what, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Absolutely. Uh, that, uh, uh, you know, that is worship. In, uh, when we talk about these, th these things uh, in a Bible information class, a confirmation class, I tell I tell these kids that worship, their worship continues outside the doors of the church as they go to school, as they go home, as they show respect to their parents and 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 do their chores obediently, as they go to school and and do the best that they can, as they are good sportsmen out on the field or on the on the on the court. Um, that uh, that uh, worship that that worship takes place as we do our jobs to the best of the ability as we as we are as we as we fulfill the callings of Christian parents and Christian husbands and wives and grandparents. Uh, worship never stops. No, it doesn't, and that's I think what's intended here, and that's that's what what Paul is saying, and 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 he's saying that that really. Your entire life is this act of worship, and and it it stems from it's created and encouraged and strengthened because of God serving you in Christ. But you know, let me throw out one of the most profound statements I ever I I, 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 I ever heard, and actually, um, it, you know, uh, it's actually a statement to Martin Luther. And let's go back. Let's let's go back to Genesis chapters one and two. And three, um, and God putting Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Um, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, put in the middle. And this is and 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 Luther describes the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in this way, and it's really a profound way of it was Adam and Eve's church. And I remember hearing that for the first time and going, How can a tree be a church? And Luther just very plainly, succinctly, uh, matter-of-factly says, Adam and Eve worshipped God by obeying his commands. Um, by obeying the command not to eat from the tree. That was their by by that was their that was their worship. Uh, in in reality, taking care of the garden, loving one another. That was that was their worship, um, you know. And again, you know, sometimes today, so many people get a lot of times we as Lutherans will get caught up in the fact. Uh, I've heard this. We've got a retired pastor in in the area that says, "Well, you can't have worship unless you have confession of sins, confessions of sins, and pronouncement of forgiveness." And I'm going, "Yeah, that's a big part of worship." But you know something, is you know, is there going to be confession of sins in heaven? Right, right. Um, worship, worship can take place without being on my knees, hands folded, and begging for forgiveness. Yeah, sometimes worship, sometimes God's service to us is is despite our our lack of humility, He still gives. Yes, right. Um, and the fact that God's service to us takes place whether we're cognizant of it or not. Well, and isn't that the the, the first petitions of the Lord's Prayer? Um, yes. As as Luther explains them, he says, we don't pray these things as if God's not already doing them. We're praying that that we would take notice that he's doing them for us. And and that's that's bringing notice to that. But but I like how, I like where this is going in the sense of um, this living act of service, this living act of, of worship that we we play out because um, bringing it back down to, to our conversation of, of our delinquents, right? We, when, before Christ acts on our life, before, before the gospel changes us, before the sacraments uh, um, work faith, um, 
by the Holy Spirit, I mean, we only think about ourselves. Um, we, we, that is, that is the extent of our thought. Our, the extent of our thought is what can I get out of the relationship? What can I get out of this encounter? What's going to benefit me? And, and, and sometimes you have some very, um, civilly righteous looking things, right? Um, people who've donated large sums of money, uh, to, to, um, hospitals so that their wing, a, a, a wing of a hospital was named after them. That's, but you see what, what they were doing it for. They, they wanted their name, a legacy, something that they, that, that's theirs to, to hang their head on. But then I look at, I look at what happens when, when someone is brought uh, to faith um, by the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit does his work as the Holy Spirit can only do. You have this new thing that's declared. It, it, you have this thing that isn't before now being brought into being by justification, right? They are now... They're now declared outside of themselves. They're declared not guilty. They're declared innocent and free. And, and all of a sudden, because they are declared this, they're, they're equipped and they start to grow. And, and as they grow, they reach out and they grow and they stem out. And Luther sort of makes these claims as he's, he's preaching on Romans 2, where, where, where they no longer are, are thinking of themselves. They start expanding into the world, Right. And they start interacting with people, and they start interacting with other things, and and for the first time in in our sinful lives, as redeemed children of God, justified in Christ, it's not about me. It's about other people. It's no longer about what I can get from them. It's what I can help give to them. Right? What I can help provide for them. How can I serve them? Um, you know, the, the, the tree, the tree just takes joy in bearing fruit and giving shade, right? It doesn't say, oops, you can't, can't stand under this shadow unless you bring me a benefit. He welcomes, the tree welcomes any that, that sit under it, gives fruit to any that reach for it. Um, what a wonderful idea of, of what we become because of Christ, Right. Um, now, now I'm saying that don't go into somebody's home and just say, I'm going to give you Jesus and you're going to shut up and listen. That's not what we're saying. But, you know, as we talk to these delinquents and, and as we call them, uh, call them up. And if they say, no, I'm, I'm truly hurting. I would love to have a visit or, or as you are talking with them in your day to day and you can see that they are hurting, you know, share Jesus with them, you know, give them the shade of the tree upon which you are a part, um, and, and share that with them. Um, and give them that opportunity. And, and they might reject you, like you said. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. Um, and, and so dust your, your sandals off and move on. Um, but being, being there to offer that solace um, is just a wonderful gift. And maybe I'm there's overstepping. A, there's an old saying that goes something like this. Um, religion starts at home. Um, and when I look at a lot of this too, uh, and I've, I've made observations, seen it in my own, among my own relatives, um, such a ghastly fear to talk anything religious or to talk about, not to talk about anything religious, but to, to bring up religion, to talk about religious things to a family member who, who maybe will raise objections um who maybe doesn't feel about things the same thing that we do and it immediately drives people into into silence um i i don't and you know what uh we cannot we you've heard us say this before dear listeners um uh, you can't you can't argue a person into into believing and arguing should never ever be a part of evan of of uh should should be a part of evangelizing or correct or you know what i mean it, or, of that 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 is completely the work of, of of the holy spirit if it's turning into a heated argument it's no longer being done in love you stop you you, you stop and you and you and you move on we maybe wait for the next opportunity or that might be the time where Maybe not likely, but maybe that you shake the dust off your feet, depending upon the, the depending upon that. But what I'm saying is, 
we're you know it, it it makes me it makes me amazed that we live in such a divided nation politically today and both sides of that great political divide neither one is afraid to speak their mind but when it comes to religion those who have something to stand on are meek and timid and fearful and those who have nothing to stand on at all shoot their mouths off all the time yeah it's amazing when something is uh, when something that changes all the time is able to be spouted off um, like you said, politics, that's always changing. And, and you're willing to, you're willing to go to fight your family on that, but something that is yep. so life changing and life preserving and life giving, that's going to last for all time, unchanging. You're, you're kind of like, Nope, can't talk about this. The other yep. thing I was going to say, and, and maybe this is a good time for us to, to bring this up in the last couple of minutes that we have of our, of our podcast here. Um, and, and dear listener, this is offensive. This might be one of those times that you end up turning us off. Um, and if it's not, well then, then good. And and hopefully you understand what I'm saying. The church we've, we in the church, especially the Lutheran church have missed grossly misused the membership book. Here's what I mean. We have gotten it into our heads that if a person is written in our membership book, that's as if they were written in the book of life. And so we have all of these churches, and maybe just my perception, but a lot of these churches are like, let's get them on the books, Pastor. Let's get them, let's, let's, let's get them through a big class and get them on the books. And, and then they don't care if they're ever showing up. They don't care, and I'm using that term loosely. I, I hope you truly do care at least. But they, but they, they kind of have this idea of, well, if they're delinquent, that's fine. They're on the books, as if being on the books is is being in the book of life. And what you fail to realize is, especially in the Lutheran Church, because pretty much the Lutheran Church is the only one that keeps membership roles anymore, as far as I know. But the reason of the membership book in the Lutheran Church is not to get people into the book of life, but it's for us to keep track of the people that we care about and that we love, so that we can reach out to them when we don't see them in church. That's the purpose of the membership book. It has nothing to do with, with there in heaven. It has everything to do with that's our responsibility to you, that when you become a member of this congregation, everyone in this congregation is taking you under them, under their wing as a responsibility to look out for you and to love you and to reach out when you are lost and when you're in need. And we've failed. And also realizing in this, too, that love and as we deal with love in love with our fellow believers and even in the world, love has nothing to do with my comfort level. Um, and, uh, and so many times as we look at, and again, as we minister to people, as we reach out, as we correct, as we invite and so forth, and maybe even have to move, it's an act of love, um, tough love. There's such a thing as tough love. Love isn't always comfortable. Uh, Jesus was perfect in love. And, and, I mean, never, ever failed at it. And his acts of love, his, his and, and think very few, not all of those were, were comfortable for him. Uh, most of them weren't even comfortable for the people listening to him. Yes, yes. But one of those things, and, and, and I like how you say that, that, that the, even the act of love can be in removal, right? And I, and I think this is, this is a word to all of our councils and all of our churches. Don't get it in your head that if someone is removed from the, con- moved from the books of the congregation, that they're all of a sudden removed from our heart. A person who is removed from our fellowship can be removed for many reasons. Or if they're removed from, from our membership books, they can be removed for many reasons. Sometimes they're removed because they are living somewhere else and they have not sought membership somewhere else and we have no way to contact them yep. and we can't serve them. Then, Like I said, that and membership we- that membership book is for us to keep contact and, and serve them and, and, and bring yep. gospel to them. And, and removal doesn't, doesn't, doesn't always necessarily entail that that person is condemned. Right. 
It just means we can't serve them in this congregation and we cannot reach them to encourage them to get a transfer to another congregation because no one knows where they are. No one knows how to reach them. But sometimes we do have those members who are on the books, who, who have been on the books for years and years and years, and we've talked with them, and they refuse. They refuse to step foot in that church. And we still have them on our books. And what a shame that is for us, because we think that as long as they're on the books, then we sometimes think there's a pastor that we can get to go out and see them and tell them, you have to come to church. It hasn't worked. Or, it, you know, we, we even get that situation where somebody has moved thousands of miles away and then we have uh, a, a leader in the a, a leader in the, the council or one of the voters says well let's transfer them to one of our to one of our churches in the area uh, that is that is not that is not a loving act towards that that individual who has moved either no, if you have the ability to contact them, you should contact them, um, and you should talk with them. That's loving, right? That's a loving thing to do. And if you can't yes. contact them, if you can't contact them, you know, keeping them on the books isn't doing them a favor and isn't doing you a favor. It really isn't, um, because you you aren't you aren't able to to do what it is that you are called to do for the body of believers in your care. And that goes for the elders, it goes for the pastor, and it goes for the entire congregation, that we are unable to perform the way that God has asked us to perform on behalf of another person in the light of, of his forgiveness for us as we share it with someone else. We can't do it. Now, for those people who are within the community and haven't showed up to church and, and, and you've gone through the steps, right? You've called them, you've talked with them, you've sent them emails— this is maybe to our councils and maybe to our elders. Don't be quick in pulling the trigger to excommunicate or to remove from membership, but don't shy away from it either. Knowing, and here's where my caveat would be, knowing that that person should then be brought up to the congregation and say, please find every reason that you can to continue to invite them, to continue to encourage them, to continue to reach out with Jesus so that hopefully we can welcome him back or her back. And I think that's where we have failed, where, where, where we've, if we've ever gotten to that step, and very few churches do, if we ever got to that step, we'd all of a sudden just forget about them and write them off. And that's not Matthew 18 at all. No. And I, I would, you know, it, it, I'm not saying that, uh, that, you're, that you're off on that statement I've tend to observe um, maybe a little bit different to that. Uh, congregations, congregations will just reluctantly re, and, and will actually are reluctant to remove, um, but the action is still the same. We won't remove, but we're not going to keep re, we're not going to keep reaching out to them. Um, in a way. Uh, you know, let's say hypothetically speaking, if a congregation, and I talk about congregation, not just pastor, the congregation is reluctant to remove, but is still willing to actively reach out and doesn't remove. I don't have a, much of a problem with that, but usually what happens is they're reluctant to remove and also reluctant to reach out. Right. And I would say there's the problem. If you're going to keep yes. a person, if a person stays on the books and they're a delinquent, it is our it is our, our Christian love and duty to them that we should be bringing Christ before their eyes in any way, shape, or form. Not just the pastor, not just the elders, but every person of the congregation should take it upon themselves um, and have an opportunity, probably a better way of saying it, to take it upon themselves when they see that individual, interact with that individual, offer Jesus, offer an invite, say, we miss you, please come back. Um, that's, that, that is that our is, privilege. That, yeah, that is our blessed opportunity. That is our spiritual act of worship that has been fueled by God's mercies. Absolutely. 
which is, ex- I mean, that's exactly what Paul is talking about in this section and that sometimes you have a gift, right? And maybe your gift is being more of a teacher. Maybe your gift is being the pastor. Maybe your gift is being, being whatever your gift is, um, using it accordingly. You are part of this body, but all of us are working towards the one goal. We're all working towards the one goal, um, which is, is that we are looking after each part of the body because when one part of the body hurts, it all hurts. And when one party of the body is is a success and, and things go well, we all are in joy about it. Um, and I think this is part of that 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 whole thing. Um, what Paul is saying between First Corinthians and what he's saying to, between Romans um, and encapsulating this beauty uh, is saying that that and it is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of time. It's a sacrifice of of maybe um, um, brain power. Um, maybe even a sacrifice of your heart. Right. That they, and denying yourself and taking up and taking up our cross and following and following Jesus. Yeah, and denying. And, and uh, how, how much is it maybe getting a, getting your heart in invested in somebody and and they eventually say I want nothing to do with it. That that could be heartbreaking, um, but but that's a sacrifice too. And nobody wants that. No, you know that. But what do you do? You know, you don't want it. You don't want to have to in- interact with it, but you can't shut it off because, because as as followers of Christ, as His children, um, I mean, it just burns within us to do something, right? Um, I mean, that's the reaction. Um, uh, as God serves us in the church, uh, as He serves us from His table and Word and Sacrament, um, body and blood, um, we then are encouraged, equipped to go and take it into our families, take it into our communities, take it into our, our lives, to live it, to share it, to, to do this work. Um, you know, that is one thing that I have to say out of, out of all the things that I have learned in my life, you know, um, and, and my members know this too. I, I think everybody I've ever talked to, I, I don't trust pastors all that much. Um, but the few that I do trust, I trust very, very, uh, I trust a lot because they, they have, they've lived out this Christian life um, to the fullest and, and this freedom that they have. One such individual, dear listener, is the one that I am on this podcast with. Um, he has lived out his Christian life in, in extraordinary ways. He is not a perfect guy. He's, he's a sinner just like me. Um, but one thing I did learn from him is, is there's a boldness in sometimes in a crass way, sharing your faith and letting it hang out there and just say, this is the truth. And, and I, I care enough about you to tell you what the truth is. Um, and, and he has given me courage to do that in my own ministry, in my own life. And if from this podcast, we could give you courage to do that. Um, I think that would be a wonderful thing. It, it is. Uh, uh, once again, I'm going to tell you, once again, you're way too gracious. Um but uh, it, you know that, and that's the reason that that's the reason that we're doing things. If it, if if uh, is is the, I think really the heart of this whole podcast and every podcast that we do is gospel motivation. Um, no intention of burdening 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 souls with with the law. Um, uh, gospel gospel motivation. Uh, uh, and uh, it's all it's all about the ministry and working together, and uh, um, that's what makes uh, uh, that's what makes ministry enjoyable. Um, that's what makes ministry. It, it, it's again, and I really feel that that's what Paul is talking about in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians twelve. Any place in Scripture that talks about our ministry or the universal priesthood, the body of Christ, um, however you want to describe it is the joy that comes from the working together. And I would say the, that working together is, is something that needs to be strengthened among us, um, strengthened within us by our Lord and his mercies. Um, yes. I'm done, brother. I don't know about you. I don't think you can. You know what? If we, we really be trained to milk an empty cow. There you go. I look forward to, to the next time we, we gather. We're going to start the Augsburg Confession, and I look forward to that discussion as, as we dump, jump into that. But until then, uh, live free and know that uh, you are forgiven in Christ Jesus.